You're listening to Unsubscribe, a podcast where we explore all things sales development to give SDRs and managers alike the tools they need to succeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Unsubscribe podcast from Demand Drive. Um, It is me, your host, AJ. I'm here, excited to talk with our guest, Nima Simnani, joined by Alex today. Alex, how are you? I'm not too bad. Not too bad. That's that's better than bad, I guess. It's not good. <laughs> it's better I than the last good. podcast. It's better than the last one where you forgot to introduce me. So I'll take yeah. that as a win. You are you are unfortunately incredibly forgettable in my mind. You're just you know, I'm kidding. Alex, Alex is just here all the time, but taking for granted, really. That's I gotta get introspective about that. Um, but we're joined today by Nima Simnani. Really excited to talk with Nima today. Uh, Nima, how are you? Oh, I could not be better. There we go. That's what I like to hear. Um, Nima, uh, we're going to be talking today about um, a common division amongst sales organizations between sales development reps and then AEs, closers, full cycle reps, whatever you want to call them. Um, I'm excited to dive into that. But before we jump into the actual topic, let's learn a little bit about you. Who are you? Where do you work? What are you doing here? Why, Why do people care about you? A lot, there's a lot of lot there. I, uh, the latter, you said, why do people care about me? I was, hope, I was hoping you knew. Oh, <laughs> I know. It's because you're an incredibly brilliant mind in the world of sales. Uh, you. But, you know, not everyone knows that. Okay, well, you know what? I'm going to put that in my back pocket. It's my <laughs> validation for the day. I appreciate it. So, uh, yeah, my name is Nima, and I own uh, Precision Sales Consulting, which is a Sandler training company. Some of the listeners may be familiar with Sandler. So uh, the organization specializes in sales training, management training, process development, and uh, we, we kind of focus on the conceptual and the technical side of sales and management. So technical and or technique is what most people think of. That's the skill power. That's the how-to, um, and that's extremely important. Uh, the conceptual is everything else. It's the behavior. It's the attitude. It's the work in the ears, um, and what we attempt to do is we approach the idea of success and personal and professional development from all three of those sides, the behavior, the attitude, and technique. Um, and so that's what we do. And um, I guess how a quick a bit about how I got here, you, mm, you know, it's, it's probably not a very unusual origin story for someone in Sandler, but um, way before any of our times, quite frankly, but especially way before your times, uh, there was a, a Remington Razor um, marketing I guess, uh, uh, commercial where the guy said, I liked the razor so much. I bought the company. Um, and I think that in Sandler, a lot of that happens is someone experiences Sandler in a previous life and myself, I've incorporated it into previous businesses. Uh, some of which I was a sales leader for some of which I was a part owner for, and so had success doing it. And so when I uh, was fortunate enough to be able to transition out of those roles, I was like, all right, well, now I know what I'm going to do when I grow up, and I'm going to do this uh, as my own company with Sandler. So that's, that's where awesome. I'm at. Very cool. Um, awesome. Well, so uh, in the spirit of talking about, um, I guess, the technique portion of uh, Sandler's methodology there, uh, I think we're going we're to dive in today into a lot of the different ways that um, SDRs can learn from their counterparts in full cycle sales and the account executive role. Um, in the spirit of, I'm a football fan. I love football. Uh, big New England Patriots fan. 
Um, Alex is shaking his head, Mina is shaking his head. That's fine, I, I embrace the hate. But in the spirit of Bill Belichick, the head coach for the New England Patriots, um, his mantra is do your job. And I think I wanna take a look at this idea between the division of SDRs and AEs and sort of what one can learn from the other through the lens of football. Um, Nima, you, you brought this up during our prep call very eloquently, but the, uh, the job of an SDR is to take the, the ball from basically the goal line to the 25, 30-yard line, whatever, set the team up for success. And then at that point, they hand it off to the AE, and hopefully they take it all the way to the end zone. Um, the issue is that a lot of organizations kind of wall off that portion of the field so that when the ball gets handed off from the SDR to the AE, it disappears from their line of sight and just it poof pops up on the other end as a closed one deal, closed loss deal, whatever. They don't know what happened in between. Um, and realistically, there are a lot of valuable tactics and sort of processes employed by those closing reps that SDRs could learn from, um, but they're siloed. So I'll start by asking you a question around that. Why do you think that organizations sort of silo those teams? Um, and why is it important for SDRs to be exposed to those tactics and, and learn from them? It's a great question. I want to go back to your quote, your uh, Belichick quote, uh, mm -hmm. do your job. Um, it's a great quote. And I, I don't know Bill personally, but I am fairly <laughs> confident what I'm going to say next is, is, is he would agree with. The, the quote of do your job doesn't mean do your job and also don't know what someone else's job is. Uh, and that's kind of built into this whole understanding. So even in the football analogy, yeah, you, you know, do your job. But at the same time, if you're a cornerback, you still need to know what the linebacker's job is. Mm -hmm. uh, just because you're focusing on your next play. By the way, another uh, football uh, leadership, I guess, talk track that I really enjoy is uh, that of Nick Saban, where he says, mm. focus on the next play. Uh, our goal at the beginning of the season isn't to win the championship. It's to win the next play. Um, so there's probably parallels there. So um, I guess I'll take the question in two different ways. One is the why do some organizations silo those off to a problem uh, extent, uh, complete compartmentalization? And then also, why is it important to find a, a balance and, and, and maybe not to do that? Um, so I guess to take in the first part first, um, I, I don't know whether every organization sets out to do that. I don't think they say, Here's our goal. Our goal is to have SDRs only focus on the one yard line right. to the 20 yard line. And that's it. It just comes out based off of the behaviors and the attitudes and the techniques that they practice on a daily basis. And if, and so I don't know if it's an intentional decision. I don't know if they're like, well, thing. yeah, it just, if, if, if that's all you're exposed to, then stands the reason that's what you're going to gain from it. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, though, even for those who do have a deliberate practice, which is very well-meaning, such as, hey, SDR team, you guys are extremely important. You're front line. You set the stage for everything. But we want you focused on only what your job is. Therefore, here is what the beginning, middle, and end looks like for your world. When it gets to the end, smooth handoff the AEs. And then, you know, whether you get compensated accordingly based on a deal closing or whatever that looks like you're good, move on to the next thing. So I think it's well-meaning. Um, so that's the first, the, the first part. Um, and I think the, the, the second part as to why it's important to, it's okay to silo a bit, but it's not, I don't think it's as okay to have a complete uh, separation where the AEs 
don't really exactly know the SDRs are doing or vice versa. Yeah. So, and the reason why it's super important to have a common language is um, people oftentimes misunderstand the difference between methodology and process. Mm. So methodology is the sheet music. Sandler's a methodology. We have clients that have as short of seven minute sales cycles, like literally a pure <laughs> phone-based, let's do equipment, equipment, you know, financing, they call in and it's boom, boom, boom. And that's fine. If that's their process, that's fine. We also have clients that have multi-year sales cycles. They're selling massive enterprise level deals. So methodology is the sheet music. Process is how you play the instrument, how the band comes together to produce the music. So this is all part of the same organism, so to speak. So why is it so important? Because it stands to reason that the very same techniques, the expectations that are set on the SDR side, the questions they're going to ask to pre-qualify and be able to promote an opportunity to the pipeline. And I don't use that term accidentally. Deals must be promoted through the pipeline. Hmm. And that means that both sides have to earn it. There's a certain process that goes through where the buyer has said something or indicated that there is some sort of gap that we can solve, ergo, it makes sense to promote the deal to the pipeline. Um, so back to why it's so important is that even though uh, the SDR may not be closing the deal the way the AE would, they're setting the stage. So the very same questions they ask, expectations that they, that they set, defining what success looks like, determining is it a problem we're solving because not all problems are, um, then it allows this common language such that whatever the handoff looks like, um, the AE team, the SDR team, the sales leadership can actually apply objectivity to their process instead of gut feel, hmm. such that whatever the handoff looks like, whether it's purely digital or there's some sort of a, uh, a conversation, well, the AEs can ask simple questions in, in the same language. Hey, what was the upfront contract along the way? What was the expectations that were set? What are the certain areas that led us to believe this may be an ideal client profile? What is their general understanding about um, timeframe? Uh, is this a situation where we're converting business from an incumbent or have they never done anything like this before? And so without knowing that and being able to speak in a common language, it really, I think, hurts both sides. Yeah. So um, that's kind of my, I, I guess, somewhat detailed, but also high level uh, explanation. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good... I think that the point that you ended on is sort of like the, the all encompassing reasoning behind that. It's like, if you're not speaking the same language and you're handing something off to someone, then it's like, you're kind of just starting the process over again. And that's like the, the worst thing in at least what I've experienced as an SDR and dealing with other sales leaders, the idea that like the AE has to rediscover all of the things that the SDRs already discovered is just, it's bad for, for your team. It's bad for the buyer. And it just creates, a, a bad handoff and a bad relationship kind of starting off on a sour note. So um, I, I like and, that and, idea. And just, yeah. And, and I, if I can just kind of chime in, I, I'll, I'll take it uh, a step further from a pure tactical perspective. Um, it's, it's really not only difficult, but to an extent it's unfair to expect a prospect or buyer to make a decision that they didn't know they had to make. 
<laughs> and so um, people think sometimes, again, whether it's subconscious or, or deliberately, that the process begins anew sometimes when an AE takes over uh, a deal. Well, the real way that build the, the, the concerto, so to speak, the, the band playing the same music, is that the very same techniques um, that have been set on the stage with the SDR then become reaffirmed to be a kind of a callback based on when the AE takes it over. Hmm. Now, we might be finding pain lights or budget lights. It might not be this deep, deep dive right. the way an AE would take it. But in a very tactical way, the, the best companies, whether you're, you're a SaaS company or what, it doesn't matter what it is, when the AE starts it off, there's typically a callback of some kind. You know, hey, AJ, listen, it's a, it's a pleasure speaking with you and having this conversation. Hey, let's take a moment just to kind of recap based off of, uh, of the previous conversation you had with Alex. Um, you know, we've covered X, Y, and Z. Hey, before we get going, anything we want to add, modify, delete before we get going. And it's, it's like, it's, it's not this brand new thing. Right. It's like, no, this is something that we can covered. Something has oftentimes changed. One of the biggest questions people forget to ask is the simplest. Has anything changed? What's changed? Uh, <laughs> what's changed? Um, and so th that's kind of the tactical importance of it is, is the reaffirmation and then adding, you know, color mm -hmm. to what the next stage is. Yeah, that next layer. Cool. Um, so let's, let's think about some of the tactics then that, um, maybe SDRs aren't necessarily fully exposed to or utilize all that often that in that, after that handoff, after they've made that transition and the, the AE is now adding color to the, the foundation that the SDR has created. Um, what are they using that should realistically be available isn't the right word because obviously it's available, but more readily understood by the SDR function. I know you, you specifically wanted to dive a bit into storytelling for this. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, it, it's hard to think of a, the, the category of, of topics that's probably more uh, saturated right now mm. than storytelling. The biggest um, umbrella. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you, you're, 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 you'll be hard pressed to find any person who doesn't have some sort of take on storytelling. Mm -hmm. And I'm no different. I, I've carved out a little bit of a niche in it, and, and the way I approach it is, is, is threefold. Um, there's stories we tell our clients and prospects which I think is what most people think of, which I'll talk, I'll talk mostly about that um, as it pertains to SDRs. And then we also talk about stories that we tell ourselves, mm -hmm. uh, the actual internal conversations that we tell ourselves um, that, you know, or maybe things that are told to us. Um, I've used this comment before, but you know, I'm first generation Iranian American. I was told a lot of stories growing up that I was supposed to be a doctor. Turns out, that didn't happen. So some of the very expectations, here I am, right? Yeah. Um, but, but, but these impact our, our mindset, what's expected of us, right? Um, and then I'll take it one step further when it comes to the stories to ourselves. There are times where we, FCRs, AE, anyone internalizes certain things like, wow, what we sell is really expensive. Hmm. And that's a story they tell themselves, which then leads to what we call the belief wheel, which is really that our beliefs lead to judgments, which lead to actions or inactions, which lead to results, and they re-justify the self-fulfilling prophecy. 
So, um, I mean, in a simple way, way stories we tell ourselves, if I have a belief that price is the be all end all for whether someone buys from me or not, whether it's true or not, that's my belief. Then the judgment I will probably make based on that is my buyer also feels that price is the only reason why they'll buy from me. Mm-hmm. And I've made a judgment based on that. Then I take action or inaction. So action I may take is I preliminarily offer a discount without it being necessary or needed at all. Or I don't run a process effectively. I don't ask the right questions. I don't find a gap uh, to help address it or even justify the ROI of the investment. Um, and then having not done those things, then I have a result that ends up with, well, I lost another one on price, you know, and then it just reinforces the same, the same belief wheel, right? So that's stories we tell ourselves. One example of the stories to ourselves. And the last category of stories we tell our team members. Um, and we won't talk as much about that, but I can tell you that uh, I'll, I'll just kind of put this nugget out there. Is even the most well-meaning sales managers and leaders have a tendency to rescue their people as opposed to empowering them. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between enabling and empowering. Most people get to their role as a sales leader because they've become, because they've been a extremely successful salesperson. So if this rings a bell, you can just nod vigorously, but yeah. the, 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 <laughs> the classic thing, so, uh, sales manager, whatever it is, SDR manager, SDR runs into a challenge and then the manager swoops in to rescue them. Hey, why don't I take this call? You observe. And then the next time you can do it. I'm not saying that's the mistake. It's that sometimes these stories that we tell our teams led to me, us rescuing them instead of empowering them. And then going back to the very beginning, which is going to be the brunt of, uh, or the, the bulk rather of this conversation it, are the stories that we tell our clients and prospects and the stuff that I'm fairly confident many SDRs are listening to this episode are doing in some way, shape, or form. Um, and and I'll, I'll, I'll tell a quick story to talk about stories, uh, and then I'll give you a simple tactic. Um, so I, I think the best way to consider this is uh, the best movie of all time, uh, which we know is Armageddon, right? We, everyone knows it. A lot of different answers there, but okay. <laughs> there's, there's, there's only one answer, AJ, it's Armageddon. Uh, uh, and I'm about to spoil the movie. So if you haven't seen it, then I guess stop listening. Yeah, right just now. stop listening to this podcast. Yeah, I mean, but it, but it takes like Bye, 30 Alice. years. Yeah, it's been 30 years, right? If you haven't listened to it, if you haven't watched it by now, it's kind of on you. Um, but like, uh, if you haven't seen um, Armageddon, think of any disaster movie you've ever seen in your entire life. Um, and they all follow more or less the same story arc. Um, it starts off with things more or less okay. There's usually a cold open kind of thing with like a mini like meteor hitting someplace or whatever. But ultimately, then there's this scene of normalcy. The sun is shining. The sky is blue. In the case of Armageddon, you've got uh, Bruce Willis and uh, Ben Affleck on the oil rig, they just struck oil. And yeah, Bruce Willis is chasing Ben Affleck around with a shotgun, but hey, is what it is. Um, but things are more or less okay, right? They're, they're okay. No one has any idea there's an asteroid hurling towards Earth. So whether it's in sales or it's in storytelling, there's usually a component of normalcy that serves the baseline for the story to take hold. So if we're going to do it in a three-part play. Stage one is some degree of normalcy. Stage two is conflict. In Armageddon, there's a asteroid headed to Earth. And the first thing what they try to do 
in the case of Armageddon is they try to ignore it. Maybe it'll miss us. Maybe it won't hit us at all. And then Billy Bob Thornton says, no, it's a world ender. It's the size of Texas and it's not going to miss us. And we have 14 days. So now we have conflict. There's conflict there. And at that point in time, the cost of doing nothing outweighs the cost of doing something by a larger margin. Then there's the overcoming of that conflict. And there's usually challenges on the way. Armageddon, you got to jump the armadillo over the giant cavern and so on and so forth. And then eventually they, you know, drill into the center of the asteroid, plant the explosive, and they blow the thing up and the world is saved and uh, Bruce Willis is dead. So let's just throw it out there. Okay. I mean, spoiler alert, he's dead. He's not coming back. It is what it is. Um, but when you think about it, beginning things are all right. Then there's conflicts. Then there's a challenge along the way. And then there's um, a success or a brighter future or disaster averted. Um, pain is the gap between where a prospect is and where they want to be. So in many ways, what we're doing in any degree of sales is we are helping people traverse that pain threshold, that pain chasm. Now, pain isn't always bad. There's loss framing, there's gain framing. What does one stand to lose by not solving this issue? What does one stand to gain by solving the issue? They're both compelling motivators. Now, I'll tell you that pain is a five times more compelling motivator than is pleasure, but they're both compelling motivators. So how does this factor into the world of SDRs is that the best SDRs who are able to engage in a conversation to allow a prospect to self-discover that there is an opportunity or a need or pain that's worth addressing to move that from the one yard line to the 25 yard line is going to be being good at helping to paint a picture in a third party setting that a prospect can step into. And the reason why it's so important is people are generally hardwired to justify their behavior. So every time I say, AJ, here's what you should do. I'm writing a little down. voice inside you says, don't tell me what to do. Um, how so dare. how dare you? you don't even know me, right? Um, so we say, you know, don't should on people. <laughs> now, if there's two S words in this example, one is should, people don't tend to be shoulded on. Here's what you should do. Alex, you're making a mistake. If you don't buy our product, you're going to, you know, lose all this money. Mm -hmm. They're not necessarily going to be open enough to go on a journey of self-discovery if that's the case. Mm -hmm. Now, most people are open to suggestions. So can I make a suggestion? That's a little bit of a side kind of nuance to it. But here's a storytelling piece. Whether it's a 30 second commercial or a two hour movie, there is those story arcs built in. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I'll give you a simple, um, I guess, uh, um, not, not, not mnemonic, but I'll give you a sensible acronym, uh, SAR, uh, SAR, or, or even SONAR, they both work. Uh, SAR is situation, action, result. SONAR is situation, opportunity, need, action, result. And when tactically SDRs just engage in a story arc like that, even if it's a 30 second commercial, 
then it leads their prospects to step into the story. So that can sound like, it's off the top of my head, um, hey, hey, AJ, I don't necessarily know if what we do is a fit for what you're looking to accomplish. That said, the situations in which our organization tends to be a fit is when there are owners or executives in an organization and they have rainmaker challenges. And what that means is 80% of their sales team isn't really performing the way they want them to. And 20% of their sales team is generating the vast majority of their revenue. And that causes the executives and owners to really understand and question how are they gonna scale this business beyond that 20%. And that causes them some frustration. So out of curiosity, is any of that relevant to you and worthy of a conversation? Right. Now that was off the cuff, Sandler-esque, but the situation was, here's the situation, not you, AJ, not you, Alex, here's a situation that may warrant a expiration, okay? That's the situation. Here's the conflict, is whatever that gap, gap is, Rainmaker Challenge, 80% of the revenue coming from 20% of the, the team, and here's the result. Well, the result of inaction is they're frustrated because they don't have scale. So that's just a simple story arc, and as SDRs, AEs as well, quite frankly, but as SDRs can just paint those little vignettes, mm -hmm. then people will say, yeah, that is relevant. Tell me more about that or tell me more about how you can help with that. Would you say that there's any sort of difference between an SDR creating that story and an AE creating that story? Is there, or like, is the SDR gonna tell a different story or at least have a different perspective on the story than the one that the AE might talk about or share later down the down the funnel. It's a good question. I mean, I guess logistically, they there may be more time to delve deeper into those from an AE perspective. Because make no mistake, just because I said that we want to understand what other people's jobs are, doesn't mean that we're not sensitive to the fact that many SDRs, you're. You're, you're the first five second of an outbound dial, let's just say, you're trying to sell a 30 second conversation. Right, <laughs> and right. that 30 second conversation, you're selling maybe a three minute conversation. So yeah, it's much, much shorter in time. And typically as the ball advances to the 25 yard line, you've earned the right for more time. The one thing I'll, I'll, I'll share with you, Alex, is um, oftentimes we don't have to create these stories. They already exist. Hmm. And so I want people, I, I, I suggest to people rather, that they just envision their ideal clients, the ones that they've already helped and tell the very same story that took place in future speak. <laughs> hey, not too long ago, we had a client and or we had a prospect and the situation that we're in was blah, blah, blah. That your buyers are already telling you these stories. You just have to like pay attention, capture them and tell them in future tense. Yeah, I like that. Cause I think a lot of the times an SDR looks at their job um, you know, solely as like a numbers game. And, and a lot of the stuff that, that you talked about is, is almost unattainable to them because they don't have either the resources or um, buy-in from management or realistically time to dive into them and try to make their outreach more effective. They're focused on, I got to get in these 80 dials today, or I got to at least have 15 conversations or whatever it is. But when you, when you put it like that, it is attainable. You have a ton of examples that you can pull from already that, your close clients or whatever it might be. Um, it's just a matter of knowing how to leverage those. And that's that's huge to just mindset-wise frame for an SDR and really make that shift between 
I'm here to sell you something. I'm here to tell you why our, our solution is the best and then hope that you agree to 15 minutes or I'm here to help you. And I'm here to understand whether or not I can help you overcome that pain hurdle you were talking about. Yeah, I, I don't think our job is to sell, believe it or not. This may sound odd. Um, our job is not to sell, it's to sort. Mm-hmm. Our job is not to sell, it's to qualify. So stop mm-hmm. selling, start qualifying. If there's a 52 cards in a deck of cards, just say, and just let's just say of those 52, eight or 12 are suspects and then four are prospects, so to speak. Well, our, our job is not to convert the atheists. Our, our, our job is to is to identify the agnostics or the angels. Um, and so what we're doing, especially at SDRs, is, is, to, is to sort um, in an effective way. And when I say storytelling, by the way, it can be 30 seconds. I mean, and the funny thing about it when it comes to someone who's who built an entire, you know, spent a lot of time in purely phone-based sales um, in, in my pre- previous life, and I guess still now, um, is many people will give you 30 seconds no matter what. We just squander it when we get it. <laughs> by, uh, by, by telling us by telling everyone how great we are uh, yeah. and how, how we have this new widget. Yeah, 100%. You, you, you ask someone for the, the common thing um, that I, I think a lot of people are talking about right now. was like, hey, can I have 27 seconds of your time to tell you why I called? And then you, you spend 11 of it saying your name and your company and all that stuff. And then you have the, the rest to just dump as much info on them as you can. And it's like, yeah, you just wasted a half a minute. I, no, I don't want this. It's, yeah. Um, to sort time. of circle back to, to that other kind of storytelling, because that, that's an interesting example, AJ, um, where the stories we tell ourselves, do you think that's something that SDRs might be sort of guilty of doing since they face so much rejection and they don't actually know why most of the time? Is this the sort of problem where like, because I'm sort of picturing it, I tried my 30 second pitch. It didn't turn into a lead. Well, that means that that's the problem. So now that 30 second pitch, which might be fine, you think is wrong. And now all of a sudden you're trying different things that aren't going to work as well. Do you think that's like a factor in why SCRs, generally speaking, not everyone obviously have sometimes trouble getting the right message across in those 30 seconds? I think it's an issue everyone struggles with. Sure. Um, SDRs are just, they're just people uh, as every, everyone has, has some degree of head trash, uh, everyone. Yeah. Um, and I would say SDRs have a, have a really tough job that, you know, whether your, your expectations to make 80 dials and the previous 78, you know, didn't pick up or got voicemail or couldn't get a guest gatekeeper. And you finally get that one person on the phone and you, you are basically have this head trash. Well, the last seven people I, I talked to didn't want to talk to me. What is going to make this eighth any different? Right. Um, yeah, we all, human nature is to take our previous experiences with you on our next sales call. Um, and that's, and that's hard. And I, I'll tell you, um, <clears throat> another thing to go back to the Patriots. So well, not anymore, <laughs> AJ, but, uh, one of the biggest examples I use is Tom Brady. I mean, we talk about identity and role separation. Uh, we're, we're all I 10 identities of 10, you, me, uh, Alex, we're all tens. Now I may suck tomorrow as a salesperson in my role. I might be a two, I may have a bad day, but I still have to see myself conceptually as a 10. And that's Tom Brady, man, whether, whether you love him or hate him, whether he was down 28 to three in the third quarter against the Falcons in the Super Bowl, or the next year when he was down 11 points in the fourth quarter against the Eagles, he's still expected to win. Mm-hmm. Whether or not he did didn't matter. 
whether it's 55 to 10 in preseason and he hasn't even played since the first quarter and his O-line missed a block, he's still chewing him out because that's just how he is. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I would 100% say that the reason why we um, always talk about behavior, attitude, technique, behavior, attitude, technique is not just because it's a nice little acronym, B-A-T. It's because it serves two distinctly important functions for leadership and for the human being himself or herself. One is that leaders need to understand you supervise behavior, you train technique, you coach attitude. And the way you show up is different based off of those various roles. That's the first reason why it's so important. Another reason is from a pure skill development perspective. Um, someone may make, I don't know, 80 dials, let's just say. They've done their behavior. Behavior, check off. Uh, their technique sounds good enough. They got a good 30 second commercial, it sounds okay. Then you listen to the call and you hear this kind of, uh, oh, mother, may I kind of wimpy, you know, I don't know, you know, like kind of like a cadence. You're like, oh, well, behavior is done, is good. Technique was good. His attitude showed up, he or she showed up with such a degree of subservience where he didn't have the conviction in his words to really make it make sense. On the other hand, someone may have a killer attitude and technique on a 30 second commercial, and, but they've made one dial and went to lunch. Um, so the reason why we, we approach these differently is, um, is that so when a leader can, can actually ask um, their team, you know, hey, so it looks like you're struggling. I'm here to help you. Let me ask you, do you feel like you don't have the words to say? Or do you feel like you don't have conviction in saying them? And so, because these are different things. I may have the best pitch in the world, the best, well, I hate pitch, but the best 30 second commercial in the world, the best, you know, pain story in the world. But if I'm not delivering it with a certain degree of, of, of conviction to it, then, I mean, if I don't believe my own words, then why would anyone else? And yeah. so I think that's why we approach it conceptually and technically. Yeah, I really like that. Um, let's just wrap it up here real quick by taking a look at, at, at the future. Um, so exposing SDRs to these tactics like storytelling and sort of letting them know that, hey, they're available to you. It's, it's you know, the resources are there. It's up to you to kind of take advantage of that. Um, what do you think the sort of the future of that SDR role is gonna look like in terms of taking advantage of these um, tactics that are available to them? Is it, is it gonna be management who provides those resources and, and sort of encourages and empowers them to do that? Is it gonna be SDR sort of taking the charge themselves and recognizing that they're out there and sort of carving like a junior AE position for themselves? Like just what's the future gonna look like? We're we gonna be robots. We're we just all gonna be robots making sales calls. Well, eventually that's gonna happen. Uh, we're all going to be robots. Um, uh, I, so I, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of reason to be optimistic now, right? There's even more reason to be optimistic in the future. And I would say there's going to be some stuff that's going to change, in my opinion. Other stuff's going to be more of all the good things that are already happening. Um, it, almost every leadership trend, and this is very positive, is certainly buying into the idea of authentic leadership through empowerment. I mean, whether it's a Simon Sinek, I mean, you're hard-pressed to find any leadership, um, you know, thought leader that's not preaching the idea of ownership and 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 let's face it um there are probably some sdrs who love being an sdr and they don't really want to advance beyond that which is fine but every organization recognizes that many sdrs are viewing this as a opportunity to grow a great step and great yeah and so i think that most teams are are going back to the very, very first point involving them more 
in the AE component because that may be their job a year from now or six months from now. Um, uh, I also think, and this is more of a suggestion as to what leaders can do more of, is to uh, cultivate the framework to capture these stories. And I mean, it can be simplistic. It doesn't have to be overcomplicated. I mean, I, I, have, I have clients who just have nothing more than a, than a Google Doc and they know that once a week they're capturing um, the, you know, what is a story that, that a success story, putting it into like this actual archive or using like a Salesforce chatter functionality and other people can kind of pick and use those very same things. It doesn't matter if it's a story or not, you know? Hey, you know, I, I was having a conversation with my colleague last week and he shared X. So that's gonna be, I would say much continuous, uh, much more of that. Um, and then there'll be a lot more mentorship, um, a lot more focus of um, whether it's a more senior SDR person uh, who really wants to step into mentorship and helping a new person, or there's gonna be a lot more opportunities for people to have peer-to-peer -peer development and mentoring, which is super crucial. Um, I did a podcast on, on, on mentoring not too long ago. And, and I think that um, sometimes people approach mentorship in a, maybe a, a less effective way. They go so far up the totem pole, so to speak, um, that the person they're getting mentored from doesn't really remember what it's like, what's it, what it's like to be an SDR. Yeah. So sometimes yeah. they're so far ahead, they don't remember that. So some, sometimes the best mentors are maybe not right, you know, but just a step above because they can actually remember hmm. emotionally the frustrations you felt you know, last week, because it was only six months ago for them. Yeah. Love it. Um, well, Nima, thanks for hopping on the podcast. Really appreciate it. I think you shared some, A, valuable and B, actionable things that, you know, an SDR listening to this right now can use. And even a leader who's trying to think about how they structure their SDR and AE functions and maybe breaking down that wall that exists at the 25-yard line and how they might be able to, to help accomplish that and create a more holistic organization. God, holistic. I don't use that word often. I don't know why I said that. Um, Nima, if people want to learn more about you, want to uh, hear from you, read some of your stuff, where can they find you? Well, luckily, there's not a lot of Nima Semnani's running around. So um, <laughs> uh, LinkedIn's always a good place. Uh, feel free to, to reach out to me, uh, Nima, N-E-M-A, Semnani, S-E-M-N-A-N-I. Uh, across all social, uh, Sandler in Nova, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's probably where to find me. Perfect. And uh, YouTube probably too. And YouTube. Yeah. Who doesn't have a YouTube these days? Um, Nima, thanks again for popping on. Really appreciate it. Uh, and we'll see everyone at the next episode. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unsubscribe. Remember, to get less unsubscribe emails in your inbox, subscribe to Unsubscribe and get your SDR team in tip-top shape. See you next week.